Teacher, what star is that? a sinner and I'm probably gonna sin again Lord forgive me Lord forgive me things I don't understand sometimes I need to be alone 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 these don't kill my vibe these don't kill my vibe I will not kill your vibe thank you for listening to farsidetv.com you are locked in to where side life radio and as always i am your host adisa the bishop aka the black dragon of the west side aka zato ichi 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 aka the south bay shogun 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 aka the iron hook assassin and finally my favorite, a.k.a. the Black Cortez Killer. Ain't nobody truer than me, homeboys and girls. Check it out. Bishop Chronicles is the world's first podcast dedicated to giving you West Coast perspectives on hip-hop, health, and fitness trends. Ain't nobody out there. Not a single soul. Lacing your cranium with this here vibranium like a decent bishop, fool. So you can be down now or you can bow down later. Because the West Coast OGs, we stay greater, partner. If this is your first time listening, do yourself a favor and understand that this... uh Come here, lean in, lean in, let me talk to you. This may not be the best thing, but it's show enough is the West thing. But it's show enough is the West thing. But it's show enough, show enough, show enough, uh. Show enough is the West thing. Now listen, I need you to do me a favor, subscribe right now. And or comment. If you subscribe, can you leave a comment for your boy, blood? You can't holla at a scholar one time and be like, yo, this is dope right here, bro. Thanks for lacing me on the health tips. Yo, thanks for having, you know what I'm saying, Riz on the show, man. I really appreciate that. Gain some wisdom, you know what I mean? Thanks for having Eddie Bravo, Half Gracie, bro. Thanks for that tribute to Juice World, bro. Thanks for that Bruce Lee, you know what I'm saying? Thanks for that Tupac show about strategy. That really helped me, you know what I mean? Can I get a comment, blood? That's all I'm asking. Lace the OG. But please, subscribe. And I thank all of you who have been subscribing for real. For real, for real. Um, and I want to thank you. Hey, a lot of y'all been reposting screenshots of the show and posting it and tagging your boy. And I appreciate it. For real. Thank you. Like, truly, Mike is grateful. I am thankful. The numbers are going up on Spotify. They're going up on iTunes. They're going up on Mixcloud. The listens are getting higher. And I appreciate this organic engagement. You know what I'm saying? I'm really thankful, truly. And as always, I'm just going to ask you, please, 
pass one show on to somebody. Maybe you like that Jamie Kilstein show. Maybe you like that coronavirus show. I still get props for that. You know what I'm saying? Um, again, Pop Smoke, Nipsey Hustle. Um, you know what I'm saying? The Tazo Tea Camp one. I'm getting a lot of good feedback and I appreciate all of it. But pass one of them shows on to somebody who you think need it. Especially right now on the mental health tip. That Jamie Kilstein show and the corona, those are important, man, because people are stressed out. But the BCP Army, look up, look up at this guy. The BCP Army is coming. It is growing. We are in the building, and I'm grateful that you're a part of it. Now, it is time for Heartbeat Props. And Heartbeat Props are always a section of the show where I encourage you to reach out to three people, call them, don't text them, talk to them for five minutes and be specific about how they have helped you, right? Talk about how and why you appreciate them. Be specific, right? Because, you know, especially in a time where where life is, is less stable globally, we want to make sure that the people that we love know that we love them. And we want them to know why. Because you think that your kid knows or you think that your mom or dad knows or you think your brother, your sister, your auntie, your cousin, your neighbor knows that you love them. Maybe they don't. And they may not even understand why. You could help their self-esteem. Telling them something about themselves that, you know... They didn't know that they were unaware of. Maybe something that's that's they've been burying within themselves, having a hard time seeing. Maybe they've never heard what you're gonna say before. So give somebody some heartbeat props today. I normally do um three people per show. Um this one I'm doing four and I'm doing it all in one fell swoop. I want you to follow all of these people because they're dope in their own right, but they have also um, lifted my spirits immensely in, in, in recent days. At justice underscore BJJ. At justice underscore BJJ. These are all IG tags. At hammer triangle, all one word, underscore. Um, at Priscilla Rose, P-R-E-C-I-L-L-A, Rose. At Priscilla Rose and at underscore Juan, J-U-A-N, hunted. H-U-N-N-I-D, at underscore Juan Hunnett. Yo, I'm thanking you all at the same time for the same thing. All of them posted a screenshot of Bishop Chronicles, posted it in their stories, and tagged me and told people to follow. And I'm hella grateful. And you might be like, ah, oh, blood, you just trying to give these people shout outs because they gave you a shout out and blah, blah, blah. Listen, last week, I was having a rough ass week, bruh. You know, don't, don't, don't get confused out here, bro. Like, yes, I be running. I be doing my yoga. I be, you know what I'm saying, meditating and all of that and working on good meals and trying to make the dope tea recipes and all of that. But I, like everybody else, sometimes I'm like, what the hell is going on in my life? This ain't even got nothing to do with Corona. Just in my life, you know, um, you, you, you wonder what's going on. Have you made better decisions uh, recently than you have in the past, uh, you know, uh, how can you refine this? How can you cut weight there? How can you be stronger here mentally, physically, spiritually? And it gets overwhelming. And so the other week, man, like, you know, I was trying to be down, but I wasn't really as down as I thought I was. And you know what? Seeing these posts, seeing people promote the show, like it really made me feel good. And I don't mean in that ego way, like, oh yeah, thanks y'all. You know what I'm saying? Bishop Chronicles. It means like, man, I really do this. Mike and I do this because we love the idea. We love um, 
bringing this information to you and sharing uh, the guests and the insight that we share with you. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I'm not Rogan. You know what I'm saying? I'm not like posting up with hella millions and whatever. So sometimes when you do a podcast, you don't know if you're really reaching people. You think you are. You hope you are. You know what your intention was. You know what I'm saying? But them reposting and sharing lifted me in a time when I was feeling kind of down. You know what I'm saying? I was really grateful. And they all posted different shows that were important to them. And that's what I love. You know, when you when you promote the show, when you share it with some with somebody, man, share it with with share with them something that you think is meaningful to you. You know? I appreciate you all, for real. Follow everybody I just mentioned. Justice underscore BJJ, Hammer Triangle underscore, Priscilla Rose, and Juan Hunted. Thank you. Thank you for improving me, and thank you for for um, supporting the show. It means a lot. Now it's time for the West Coast Word of the Week. West Coast Word of the Week brought to you by the streets. We ain't playing. All mamas basically means like I swear on moms, which, you know what I'm saying? You know, it's an old school thing. People been doing forever. And it's not generally uh, 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 suggested that you do that. You know what I'm saying? But let's give you an example, right? Now, one of the most recent words we use, we're going to do a combo, right? I'm going to take a word from one of the past shows and bring it into this one. We talked about getting stole on, didn't we? Right? One hit or quitter, right? To the jaw. Boop. You know what I'm saying? I run an organization, the Hip Hop Chess Federation, that does not condone violence. I'm just explaining how things can play out in the streets. Thank you. In this scene, I'm talking to my boy G from the mission. This is real. When I say real, I mean like reenacted based on true events. Me and G are on 19th and Folsom in the mission. Right there, right there by the El Faro. By the way, I hate that El Faro. The only real good El Faro is in South City. That El Faro on 19th and Folsom has the worst burritos in the mission. That's right, I said it. The best are on 25th and Mission, you know what I'm saying, at the Taqueria. The white one with the black gates, that's where you go. Otherwise, you go to El Farolito. Otherwise, you go to the one that's on 24th and Mission. It's in that order. 25th, El Farolito, and then 24th. True story. But anyway, me and my boy G, we on 19th and Folsom, you know what I'm saying? Over there by John O'Connell High School was having y'all. And then um, he's telling me about, you know, what happened, you know, many years ago when he had to come check this fool. And I'd be like, so what happened? Now G has a deep voice with hella gruff in it. And I can't even like, I can't even like, I can't even like I- imitate this fool hella good. What you think I did, Deese? I stole on him. Stop playing, G. You didn't steal on him. I stole on him. Then going back to another show. Remember the word G-O-D? G-O-D? He gonna look at me. Get like five inches from my grill. Oh, mamas. He's not gonna get five inches anymore because it's corona out here. Thanks for trying to kill me, G. (laughs) But yeah, so that's what it is. All mamas mean I swear, man. I really did it. So if someone says they don't believe you and you want them to know... Take it from the bay and say, oh, mamas. Westside word of the week. You got it. Normally, I would do uh, the chess and life strategy uh, of the week, but I'm not, I'm not going to do that right now. I am going to encourage you to play chess. I am going to encourage you to go to chess.com, get a free account, and start playing. I am going to encourage you to go to YouTube 
Actually, you know what? Don't go to YouTube. You know somebody that knows how to play chess, and they're probably in your house. Pull them aside and say, look, I want to learn chess, and start learning, okay? Um, You see the times. They're treacherous, all right? And what I believe we're about to see is several things. One, stop talking about a recession. We are in a depression, Don't lie to yourself. And I'm not trying to pump fear. I'm telling you to pay attention. They shutting down the meat plants, right? At the same time, you're seeing certain farmers because they don't have people to pick the vegetables and the fruits. They're starting to throw stuff away. And a lot of stuff is not being processed. I just saw, was it the Tyson plant in Iowa? They got hella workers that got corona. So they shut stuff down. We are really walking towards a depression. When people get depressed... Uh, meaning like economically, that means that crime spikes. And so I was speaking with one of my young kids that I, that I mentor. Shout out to Zach. What's up, player? Um, and I was telling him, you know what? You are walking into uh, samurai lifestyle times. You are walking into Spartan warrior times. Like y'all was chilling. It's all about the internet. We out here gaming. It's lit. Da-da-da. No more, bro. Everything's different. Everything's different. You're about to live in real hard times. And when I was your age, Zach is a teenager. He's in high school. When I was your age, I I don't know what I would have done, but you got the internet. So you have opportunities to study and be things that um, you would say, normally I'm in class. I wish I could be doing X. Now you can do X all day. And I cover a lot of that stuff in uh, the coronavirus episode. But what I was telling Zach was like, these are are about to be warrior times. You got to have a warrior mind. This is why you play chess right now. Where is your structure? What is your decision making like? Can you even see, do you know your style of thought? Chess will tell you that. Chess will tell you that. But I've talked about chess for like 20 plus years. So you can do whatever you want with that and go look into it online, Google something. You know what I'm saying? But I want to talk to you about what I learned on my latest run. As you know, because I can't do jujitsu uh, in a school right now because there's nowhere to go do it at because of uh, the coronavirus. Footnote, what are people going to do in the jujitsu community once corona's over? Like, are you willing to just go do jujitsu right now? Like, if, if, if they said it's good, man, go train. Would you do it? I wouldn't do it. I don't even know how you can make jiu-jitsu a, a dojo cleaner what do you do about the air i don't even man you know what i'm saying hella jiu-jitsu schools are closing man i want to give a shout out to all the people who own jiu-jitsu schools i'm gonna start with obviously my instructor alan gumby marcus over there at heroes martial arts and everybody in san ho at heroes you know what i'm saying my boy Eastside who just opened up his gym right before everything kicked in i'm really sorry for you bro and all you know denny prokopos you know what I'm saying? Over there in San Francisco, blood, lacing everybody with the no-gi gyms. And it's like, I know it's not easy for y'all. If you're a gym owner of any kind, not just jujitsu, I got I got love for you. But I'm just wondering, what's going to happen to jujitsu? Are people going to stop doing jujitsu because of corona? I don't know. So anyway, I've been jogging. So, you know, I told you I run up this hill called Mount Aurelius. Then I got this other hill that I run that's about the same length they're both like short they're two mile runs these aren't big runs but they're both uphill one is a hundred percent uphill mount aurelius is all uphill but then i have this other one called the al-ghazali path 
And the Al-Ghazali path is half flat, half hill. But the hill is steep. All steep. Right? And so um, I got Mount Aurelius and I got the Al-Ghazali path. And I ran up Mount Aurelius after not having ran it for a while. And... um, uh, you know, it had been a week, 10 days, maybe 12. And I went, started running, and I always run with like the best mind, meaning like the best intent in my mind. Let me say that, not the best mind, the best intent. And running is very emotional, right? Because you got to keep yourself motivated. You got to be who, you know, how, how, are you, how much are you in line with your breathing? You know, you, 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 you got to keep yourself um, clear and excited. And sometimes on these runs, especially Mount Aurelius, Mount Aurelius has this long curve. It's like a letter J. And it's steep. The hooking part is really steep. And that straightaway, it just feels like every time you take a step, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to make you quit. And that is where you learn in running what you are made of. What you are made of. And I can't tell you how many times I've run that path crying by myself. I can't tell you how many times I've run that path laughing, that particular section. I I can't tell you, right? So I already got low self-esteem. I'm running. And I look back and I, I felt like I was pretty far ahead of her. I see this little body coming up the trail. And I didn't even know it was a woman at that time. I just saw a body. And I was like, nah, you ain't going to catch me, bruh. But I'm just starting to hit that J-hook. So I start going. And I'm, you know, I haven't been running. So my time is down. Truth is, this person was made out of aeronautic material. Before I can breathe, I realize there is a young woman behind me to my left and she is closing player with speed and grace. And I'm sputtering and puttering up the damn hill. And she smiles. She waves and she keeps going just as fast as she was in my sight. She was out of my sight. So now I'm talking to myself and quite frankly, the self-talk is not hot. I'm like, what the hell? Who? J-? Now, I'm not even acknowledging that she's for real like 21, 22. And my black ass is 50, dragging it up the hill. Um, but is that really an excuse? Do I need an excuse? Ultimately, what I realized was that, and I didn't realize this until I got up, right? So I got to the top of the path. And when you get to the top, of Mount Aurelius, you can go to your right or you can go to your left on, on trails that kind of let you run along the coast. And you know what? She wasn't there. She was gone. And I realized that my ego had been in play ever since I saw her on the trail. But I don't run with an ego before. I just run because I love it. I run because that's my path. And in this one moment, she and I were on the same path. She is there for totally different reasons. I don't know if she's a professional runner. I don't know if she just runs for her own health. I don't know if, you know, uh, she runs it often. I've never seen her there. 
It doesn't matter though because she wasn't there because she was running her own path for her own reasons and on her own mission, just like I was. And so I had to kind of own this fact that like I let my ego get involved for no reason and that I've got to run for me always because I never thought about all the times I passed other people. I never thought about all the times I passed people going up, coming back, whatever. Because I was just focused on my path, just like she was focused on hers. And just like you need to be focused on yours in this life. I hope the last weeks have taught you anything. They've taught you to stop comparing yourself to other people. Give thanks for the journey you're on. Give thanks for the path. That you are even fit enough to walk it today. That you can blink and breathe enough to get out of this bed today. And there was something else, man. I, when I first got there, there's this straightaway uh, on, the, on, on Mount Aurelius. And I got there, you know, early, early morning. Not that early. But like when I came out, there was a row of about 10 rabbits to my left and to my right. And so I'm walking. I'm walking really slow, right? Because ultimately nature is their house. We, we, we intruding, right? So they're eating like flowers and leaves and stuff like that. And um, I felt like I was interrupting their brunch. So I was trying to be very mindful. And so I was walking and the first one kind of scatters. They were scattered about like 12 feet apart. They were eating on opposite sides of the path, but eating about 12 feet apart from each other. So the first one kind of scampers, the second one kind of scampers. And then like as I approach the third, I kind of start fading. Like if he's on the left side of the road, I kind of start fading to the right because I don't want to mess with him. And this one, he just looks at me. Stops. Then he's looking at me. And he stays put and he keeps eating. Then another one. And I don't know if if he saw that I didn't chase the first one. I kind of fade over to the opposite side because I kind of staggered, right? One to the right, one to the left. And um, he scampers. I felt really good when the first guy stayed still. Then I got to this last one and he kind of like scampered. But then he just like turned around to watch like, is this fool really trying to get at me? Oh, he's not really trying to get at me. And then he just came back out and started eating and, you know, I think that there's something to be said when animals aren't afraid of you. When you can be in their space and not be seen as, as an intruder. And this is one of the things that I've always felt my, my whole life, just being when I, when I have been in and around nature. But teaching at Zaytuna College, there's a lot of deer in Berkeley that roam that campus. And none of the students ever mess with any of the deer and they're so much at peace with the students on that campus. It's one of the best things to come out of a jujitsu class, sweating, feeling hella crazy, and you come out into the night air and there's like five deer just eating leaves, looking at you. Staying together, not worried about you. You're not worried about them. And this reminds me of Bobby Fisher. I can't even believe I'm able to bring this back to chess, but it's true. There's a book that I got from my friend Susan Barrett out in uh, of Barrett. Barrera Projects in St. Louis. Shout out to St. Louis. Shout out to Susan and everybody at Barrett Barrera. But she had given me this amazing book that I have somewhere that I can't find right now. Um, 
And it was a book about Bobby Fischer. And Bobby Fischer, as you know, was kind of known to be a weirdo to a lot of people, even though he was a great chess head. However, this particular photographer had all these photos, I think six or eight photos of Bobby Fischer, the great American chess master, in the wild with horses. And these wild horses would come up to him. He could pet them. He could, he could sit with them. And that's crazy that wild horses were attracted to this man who had such a hard problem and a hard time uh, engaging his fellow species, right? My point is, please take some time to connect with nature, however you do that. I'm not saying you got to go try to, I mean, I'm not trying to be Dr. Doolittle and get bit up and torn up, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you know what I'm saying? That's not, that's not my point. But give yourself some time. Go out into nature and enjoy the beauty of what's here, this air, the trees, the beach, the lakes, take it in. I have found a lot of great wisdom in running. And I've recently been running to Alan Watts. He's kind of like a philosopher dude, especially talking about Eastern philosophy stuff. And uh, I've been running to his talks. I've been running to like spiritual and philosophical discussions. Instead of like listening to music all the time, which, you know, I fade in between and out of doing that, but I'm having a great time and I hope that you do the same. Oh, quick footnote, Ramadan Mubarak to all my Muslim family and friends around the world. I know this is going to be a strange Ramadan because of everything that's going on with Corona, but you know, let's just have a blessed one and enjoy our, 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 our time with, with, with ourselves with our faith, and with our friends and family the best way we can. Um, if you're interested, check in two or three shows back. I have a whole show on the J Electronica album um, and, and the role that Islam has played in impacting hip-hop. And it's pretty cool. It's with uh, Dr. Suwad Abdul-Kabir, and she's amazing on that show. And that's a great, that's a great thing. So uh, Ramadan Mubarak, have a blessed one, and enjoy that particular show. And now, it is time for the haiku. Yo, Mike, you always come up, like, I'm always, like, telling you, like, what to drop for the haiku. Uh, drop whatever elements you want, man. Surprise the OG. Here's what I'm going to tell you. A haiku, for those that don't know, is um, a really amazing poem uh, of Japanese origin of three lines. The first line is five syllables. The second line has seven, and the third line has five. They don't have to rhyme, but often mine do. I love writing haikus, and I have a book of haikus that I'm putting out, um, hopefully this year. Here we go, here we go. This is about nature. I was walking back after my run. I had this moment where this bird like came screaming over me. He was like, Aah! and went past me. I think it was like a baby falcon because they got him out there. But I, I don't know what it was. It was moving so damn fast. And it was screaming when it came over, but it was little. Um, and I stopped it was between these eucalyptus trees and I was really kind of blown away. And I just felt very connected to nature. Um, so here it is. Wind weaving through trees. Birds swim fast in the cool breeze. Beautiful silence. Yo, one more time, one more time. Wind weaving through the trees. 
Birds swim fast in the cool breeze. Beautiful silence. Ah, yeah. If you like haikus, please send them to me at Bishop Chronicles or at Real Hip Hop Chess. Uh, what am I reading? I told you I'm doing a book a week. I am reading. I started to pick up The Purple Cow by Seth Godin, but I picked up another book called Word of Mouth Marketing by Andy Cernovitz. Really good. So for the health tip, wait, before I tell you the health tip, can anybody rock with me on this book a week thing? Y'all are on lockdown like I am. I'm just picking up books. What I'm doing is I'm reading one that deals with professional stuff and I'm reading one that deals with um, personal stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, Emotional mastery, stoic stuff, uh, psychology, you know what I'm saying? Therapy related books, you know what I mean? Can any of y'all join me on doing a book a week? I would really love it if you did. The main rule is just that it's a book that you really want and your book that you're reading for you. Other than that, I don't care what the topic is. So I think I've spoke about this before, but I just kind of want to tell you, try to spice your foods with antiviral things. Oregano, rosemary, lemon juice, cilantro, those kinds of things are actually antiviral. Look up antiviral foods and cook with them. Right. So that you're trying to make sure that your body is really uh, able to fight off any kind of infection, viral or antibacterial. Look up antibacterial foods, add them to your diet as well. I believe that is a very underrated way we can help keep ourselves safe. Am I telling you because you put rosemary in your uh, in your in your stir fry that all of a sudden like you're not going to get the virus? No, but you should be trying to live like this anyway. And it might help. So my guest is, oh, yo, for this list, uh, you know, uh, music list, I'm, I'm, I'm interviewing Shamari Smith, the guy that was the creator of the amazing documentary Till Infinity about the legendary rap group Hieroglyphics. Uh, full disclosure, I'm in it a little bit, mainly because I wrote the first article on Dell, the funky homo sapien in the source, and I wrote the first article on Souls of Mischief and the Hieroglyphics crew. Uh, Dell was for the source. The Rap Pages stuff was for uh, Sheena Lester and the crew over there. Um, but you know what happened, man? The other day, I was going through some stuff, and, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of, you know, when you're in the middle of a divorce, you, you know, stuff comes up missing, right? I found something pretty amazing. I've lost a lot of hip-hop stuff through the course of this divorce, like priceless stuff. However, I found a book that I was working on in 2002 called Chicken Soup for the Hip-Hop Soul. Chicken Soup for the Hip-Hop Soul was a book that I was working on with Kyle Canfield, also known as DJ Cool Kyle, and DJ Vlad. The three of us had put together all these stories from different rappers and whatnot, and I found the first batch of 30 stories. 2002. I got stories from KRS-One, Chuck D, LL Cool J, Guru, a lot of amazing artists. Run from Run DMC. I got DJ Qbert in here. Now, if you go online, you can look up an article that I wrote on Guru um, that was ran by Hip Hop DX, but I think I posted it in my blog, hiphopchess.blogspot.com as well. But... I have a story from Guru that I'm going to read to you. This has never been heard before, and I forgot that 
this even existed. This is his words, his story. It's called The Best Person I Can Be. I left for New York the day after Christmas, 1983. My parents thought I was crazy. Pops was like, don't come back here asking for shit. I had $1,500 saved up. I had a 1974 Volvo that I bought for $600 with the dope system in it, but the car was just like, putt, putt, putt. I had a duffel bag and a dream. On my way to New York, he was leaving Boston. On my way to New York, my car broke down in Connecticut in a snowstorm. I had to get towed to the gas station. I left the car there and told the guy I was going to hitchhike to New York and come back and get it. I was hitchhiking outside the toll booth. Trucks going by. Vroom. Snow coming down. I'm out there with the name belt, with the leather, the cutoff gloves, everything. Eddie Murphy leather jacket like in the Golden Child. You know what I mean? Finally, this dude picked me up who was a youth counselor. Everything else looked intimidating, but he wasn't. He dropped me off in Hartford, Connecticut, where I got the train into New York. And then I had to go see one of my little chicks. She lent me her credit card and I rented a car and went back and got all my stuff. I sold my Volvo for 50 bucks because the transmission was gone. It wasn't working. I went to live with my aunt in East New York, Brooklyn. That was during the time when you couldn't bring your radio and not play hip hop because you would get pistol whipped. The dreadlocks with long beards were riding around on these little bikes and selling crack. It was crazy. I'd never seen anything like this before, and I was right in the middle of it, and I loved it. I used to get lost on the train just so I could learn my way around New York. I told my father, I'm going to do this music shit. He was like, you're crazy. Even the girls I used to date back then were like, oh, there's too much competition in New York. But I did it, and that's why we're so close. Because I'm a self-made man, just like him. I realize now that he never wanted me to be like him. He just wanted me to be the best person I could be. That's Guru from Gangstar giving you wisdom. From the grave, take it in. Rest in peace, Guru, forever. God bless you for everything you did for so many people in hip-hop. Anyway, I'm sitting on this stack of stories. I don't know what to do with it. Should I read another one of y'all next week? Let me know. I wish that book would have been made, man. I did a whole playlist on Spotify called Hip Hop and Jazz. If you're unaware of the value of the fusion between hip hop and jazz, please go to the Facebook, right? Uh, Bishop Chronicles, and you'll see the list there. I'm still building it out. Right, but I got Gangstar on there. I got Tribe Called Quest on there. I got Hieroglyphics on there. I got all kind of stuff, man, and it's beautiful, man. I love the fusion between jazz and hip hop. You know, my father was a big jazz dude, as was most of our parents. You know, from from that school of you came out in '88. You know what I'm saying? If he was one of the '88 OGs, you know what I'm saying? Um, and you know, memories of Gangstar, um, so much of the work that 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 guru did you know what i mean um pete rock and others was just so fantastic because it was so filled with jazz and so um please go check that out now we're going to get into this um 
amazing conversation. If you know anybody that's in film, wants to make film, uh, this is a conversation they should hear. And even if you don't, it's, it's a great discussion. So I'm going to leave you with this conversation between me and Shamari. Definitely follow at Bishop Chronicles. Follow at Real Hip Hop Chess. And have a blessed week, man. Have a very blessed week. I appreciate you. Final shout outs to at Dream Brand. Follow them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jiu-Jitsu wear. You know what I'm saying? At Moros, M-O-R-O-S dot merch. Whoo! Look fly during Ramadan. Go to at Moros merch. And then at Guard What's Yours uh, for all the no-gi kings and queens out there. And finally, last but not least, at PrideClothing.co. When y'all see me in that red hoodie, says Crenshaw on it. Yeah. PrideClothing.co. Much love, y'all. Enjoy this. BCP Army, you know what it is. I always bring you the freshest people. You know what I'm saying? I always bring you the people that 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 really makes it happen. And so I am honored and excited to have on Bishop Chronicles podcast the one and only Shamari Smith. Welcome uh, to Bishop Chronicles. Ah, uh, Adisa, it's so good to be here. So good to hear your voice in these times. Um, yeah, it's amazing to be here. Dude, it's been so long, right? Too Bonkers long. how long it's been since we've actually kicked it. It's almost like even before COVID, there was no excuse. But now COVID is going to really mess us up. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So when we, when we get back out there, we definitely have to see each other face to face. Yeah, I'd priority, you. priority. You know what I'm saying? Priority, bro. Absolutely. So, you know... Um, Shoot, man, I, I, I got to tell you, man, like, um, Till Infinity, the documentary, was a powerful piece of work. Um, you brought it to life, right? A movie that needed to happen in hip-hop, not just for hip-hop's sake, not just for Oakland's sake, not just for the Bay, but just for a group that hadn't had its complete story told. Can you tell me how you started to make this film and what was the process like to, to even begin? How did the film come to life? Tell me from the beginning in your eyes, when did the making of this film start? So it's, you know, it, it it's one of those um, really incredible things. It, it wasn't forced at all just with bringing uh, Till Infinity about. And, you know, I thank you for, you know, all the kind words you said about it. It's, it's one of those things. It was like a very, very, organic process um you know with working with the with the souls and, and the hyro members is always a blessing because these are guys that i grew up with and they were i'm, I'm around so they're, they're always like uh an inspiration most oftentimes mm -hmm. i'm just taking in the art that they're creating and uh becoming inspired most often and that's how it happened. I was working on a project with Festo D, um, part of the Souls. And Festo! Yes, yes. And he and I, we go back super, we go back to before birth because um, our fathers were best friends. And so. Okay, that is bonkers. Yeah, yeah. So um, we were, we came out of the womb knowing each other. Um, sort that of like, so cool. uh, yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's crazy because although, um, we knew each other through that connection, um, there was also a connection just with, you know, him being an incredibly creative person and me being into mm -hmm. being creative. Um, we have that connection also. 
And so we have worked together on various things. So I've done his uh, uh, album cover for his first solo project, uh, Background Check. I did uh, all the album art for that. Um, and I did the fir- I did the video for uh, Every Detail, which is a single off of that same album. And while I was working with Fess on that, we, uh, you know, we were meeting at various locations to, you know, shoot scenes. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. during during one of our, uh, one, I was just catching him in the studio, getting like pickup shots for every detail. And um, mm. he got a phone call. And the phone call was about the Souls performing 93 Till Infinity in its entirety at uh, Rock the Bells. And I believe that was the 2011 Rock the Bells. Mm-hmm. That was. So, that was. Yeah, yeah. And so this was, you know, unprecedented. They're going to perform till they do the entire 93 Till Infinity album from top to bottom you know, including the outro and cab fare all in one set and that had never happened before. And so, um, you know, when I heard about it, I was like, oh, my God, it's amazing. You know, because he had gotten the call and he gets off the phone and he's like, you never believe it. Like, they, you know, we just got a call from Rock the Bells. We're going to do, you know, this summer we're going to perform top to bottom the whole album. I'm like, that's amazing. And he's like, what's up? You should come out and shoot at least, you know, the the Mountain View show, which was, you know, considered mm-hmm. the San Francisco show. Um, and so, yeah, it's like the hometown show. Of course, I was completely in. And so that's where that's where Till Infinity started. Um, it was wow. just just the notion of going to cover this one show at Rock the Bells and um you know, when I when I covered that show, which was an amazing, you know, if if anyone is to go online and look up that um, that who was on that bill, it was just an amazing, you know, their contemporaries are, you know, it's mob deep, common, um, you know, just anyone you can think of from the era, they were there. And so during my downtime, the souls performed pretty early and I thought it would be great to talk to a few of the people backstage about, you know, so I stopped Be Real and I stopped, you know, the Talib Kweli, so many, you know, of their contemporaries. And I talked to them about 93 Till Infinity, what they thought about the, the album and, you know, their favorite tracks. And when I got back from, you know, it, just looking at the footage and and seeing what I had, I mm-hmm. I call I called Demont I call I called Fess immediately, and I was like, you never this is amazing. We've got to do something more here. Um, and so he he went to the guys, the rest of the guys, and um, threw it out at them, and they were all on board with doing a full documentary. Bro, that's such a crazy. <clears throat> and beautiful thing and it's funny how life happens like that you know what i mean like when yeah. it, when it when it happens organically yeah. um how familiar were you with doing a documentary and what did you learn through doing this documentary yeah so you know it with with this whole process and that was one of the things that i mean you know it it no one just says hey i'm well maybe now 
people do do that. <laughs> but um, I did have some know-how around making documentaries. Um, you know, part of like my day job, air quotes, um, my day job is with the city of Oakland's government access television station. And so we cover a lot of people in our communities um, just around, you know, the things that they do. We tell stories about the people in the communities of Oakland and um, being being at KTOP has been something that, you know, it, it has taught me so many different things just about how to tell a story. And so I had that know-how just from doing, working on projects that tell stories about people. And so I love, I love to dig deep and really sort of show all sides of folks. Um, and I get that opportunity a lot through KTOP. But in this instance, you know, hip hop's one of my first loves. And so to have the ability to do this for the souls was just amazing. So I, I had the, I had the, the know-how and how to tell a story. And I had the, I had the resources. And so, and, you know, put that with my love for hip hop and it's the, it's the perfect combination. It, you know, like I'll never have another project like this one because of all of those elements in, in my relationship Dude. with the guys. Yeah. Unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. Now, yeah. how long did it take for you to record and get the footage to the point where you were like, okay, I have what I need. How long yeah. was that? Yeah. So it, you know, the, the entire process. And so it, and part of it, it, it's really tough. I was really working with what would be called like a, a skeleton crew. And so I did a lot of the shooting myself. There were, there were only, I'd say I did about 95% of the shooting. And then there's like the, uh, the, the, the vintage footage, and there's also uh, stuff that, you know, like where I had interviews done by some folks that, you know, either arranged some things like uh, Tembisa Mshaka's uh, interview mm -hmm. she put together out. Shout in out York to Tembisa. Yeah, uh, that's the folks that is uh, the folks. She was just so um, amazing in putting together her part for me. Um, and so it when you when you take on something like this. There are like just if you know the souls, I've I've followed them not only as a friend but as a, a fan, and so there were certain elements I knew needed to be in the film, and it's a lot. It's a lot like having a like a puzzle in your mind, and mm -hmm. there are all the pieces that need to. Um, so there's people that definitely you want as a part of it. So like those essential people were, um, you know, you, you were one of them. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if we mentioned <laughs> That's that. That's so you, crazy, man. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even think that that would, you know, I, I never thought that I would, you know, I did the first story on Dell for the source. Yes. Um, and then I did the first story on Hyrule for rap pages. Yes. And, I think when you're living in your truth and just trying to be whoever you are, you don't think about years later what that means for hip hop. Right. Or the artist individually. 
Yeah. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? You're just like, yo, these guys are dope. I'm going to do the story. I'm excited. I'm just happy to tell their story. Right. You know what's crazy? They were, I think, in the first issue of Rap Pages that Snoop Dogg's first story came yes, out on him. Like when is. he was emerging. That's we have crazy. We talked about that. We have talked about that. Yeah, that it, that's amazing, right? It's like Snoop Dogg's on the cover. It's it's an incredible time in hip hop. And this was this was important. So like, you know, when you talk about how I knew when when I had enough, it mm-hmm. was it, it you know, it's when you can't touch it again. It's like um that's my approach as an illustrator also just like with visual arts. When you can't touch it anymore, it's finished. And I took that same approach with putting together this film. It was, it was, there were certain stories that needed to be told about their, their coming of age and how they became the people that they are, why they rhyme the way they rhyme. Like this was important. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to understand who they are in order to understand why the music had the sound it had um and it, it for for me it was a delight to dive in and really tell the story the way i i felt they wanted it to be told because that was also a very i didn't have an angle um a personal mm. angle in this like it, it was really um a sincere contribution to hip-hop like i wanted i wanted people to understand who these guys were and um, why they're so incredible um, with what they do, and it was in, it was completely a, a contribution, you know, like for the culture. Yeah, yeah, it was it was such a great film, and it is such a great film. And let me ask you: Was there anything you learned about? Because I mean, obviously, you know, like because you've known Festo D for so long. Um, was there anything you learned about him or the other artists in Hyro that you didn't expect to know, right? Because, I mean, you're from the Bay, you know Festo. Like, was there anything that you didn't expect to come across that you did? Well, yeah, and that, and so that's the other thing, too. It, I totally learned so much about them. Um, I mean, and, you know, when do you, when do you sit your boy down and interview them? It's very, very mm. rare that that happens. And so like, um, and, and to kind of go back, I mean, like I've known A plus since elementary school. Like we were, um, we were at the same elementary school. I met him in like fourth grade. Um, and Tajay and Ope, I met them in like the high school years. So like that is 25 plus years ago. And with that, with all of that understood, there were so many things that I learned about these guys and their lineage that I never knew. I, you know, I, I just never bothered to ask. So like if the information wasn't like out there like that, I wasn't like digging or it's like, you know, I, I think one of the biggest things that I didn't realize was that the souls were always a group, which was pretty amazing right. to to find out like i i thought hyro as a collective was going to come out as you know solo artists i never like at just from my vantage point i never knew that they always maintained that the souls would be a group and right that's how they wanted to come out and that was one of the, it, to to find out how it all came together was pretty interesting 
because I, I had always seen them as you know individual rappers. So that was that was one of the one of the things that really kind of caught me off guard, like finding that out. Um, but there were so many other things. Like I I knew they had the connection with with Ice Cube, but mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't understand how far back it went and and how closely they worked with him uh, early on, like with Sir Jinx and with Ice Cube. Dude, and, when I yeah. heard that song, I was blown away. Yeah. I had, yeah. you know, I've been knowing them dudes from, you know, I've been knowing Delve since before uh, he was signed. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I met Opio at Dell's house and... Um, Crazy thing is, I don't even remember how I met A plus, but we clicked immediately. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and Domino, everybody. Everybody. Yeah. But yeah. like to see and hear that music, that blew my mind. Yeah. That blew yeah. my mind. Because if you didn't know, if you didn't know they were gonna be large, but you heard that at that age, you had to know they were gonna be large after that. Yeah. I mean, that was it's insane. How yeah, how how did the like their development was so advanced it's like you know i i knew for sure just from watching them along just you know just kind of following their progress and hearing the music that they were putting together mm-hmm. like in the in in the early days i knew mm-hmm. for sure at some point it would it would get at least nationwide attention like i i, I had always right. felt that way um and it was, you know, like I've I've told this story a couple of times, but it was I think like when I really really knew was um, I had I had gym class at Skyline High with Ope and uh, and Adam, and they were we were playing hoop, and I had just my team had lost, and I got you know I was waiting for the next game to start or whatever. Um, mm. and I went and I sat next to Ope, like waiting for the next game and he had his headphones on. You can mm. imagine like he's got the hair and he's like zoning mm-hmm. on this music he's listening to. And so I tap him and I'm like, yo, what are you listening to? And he's like, oh, this is, you know, some stuff we're working on. And so, um, he passes me the headphones and I like, I can't tell you what it was, but whatever it was, it was amazing. And I was like, wait a minute. I mean, like they had, you know, like I had mostly experienced them in ciphers. Um, right. And so this was if I'm, you know, like in the 10th or 11th grade at this time, um, this is my first time like experience, experiencing them recorded. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like you used to like the house parties, the the yeah. the, the 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 after school bus stop activity. And now you're hearing a real track and you're like, what? Yeah. And so that was that was mind blowing. I was like, oh, wow, because I knew I knew they were good. I knew they all rapped and they would I mean, like they would literally you just see them over somewhere in a corner at the schoolyard and they're just rhyming. And I go over and I peek in, listen for a minute, that kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. um, and but I had never heard them record it before. And I was like, Oh man, this is. I was like, man, this is. <laughs> they fixing to do it. <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> I was blown away. I was literally blown away. And so, from from then on, I knew. I was like, 
and this had to be 1990, 1991 when that right. happened. So like, yeah, incredible. Incredible. Yeah, no, I mean, that's um, that's really crazy. I mean, when I was watching the documentary and I was watching Murs flip out over the logo and the sticker, I remember when Dell first showed it to me. Oh, wow. And he was like, <laughs> I went over his house to make beats. Uh-huh. And he was like, yo, you want to see my cruise logo? I just made it. I was like, <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? He was like, Pete. I was like. Ooh. So you know me, Man. I'm a I'm a I'm a history guy and I was like, so what's it mean? I mean it's dope. I love it. But yeah. what's it mean? He was like, okay, so the three odd and he goes into this whole thing. Yeah. And I was like, yo. <laughs> not only amazing. is this fool raw as hell on the mic and he's making beats and I'm watching him. You know what I'm saying? Um Yeah. He's a dope designer and he knows why he wants what he wants. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I was like, yo, you know what I'm saying? Like, those are crazy times, man. I remember, I mean, I always believed in them because I knew them before they hit. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but there were a couple moments that really stood out to me. Um, one was was being handed the complete album on cassette by A+. Yeah, you know, I took that home. He's like, "Yo, man, I hope you like it." You know, da, da, da. and he was like, "Like any, you know, um, young rapper who's getting ready to drop his whole heart onto wax." Yeah, he was nervous. You know what I mean? Like, he knew I already had love. He knew, you know what I mean? So I don't think that he thought I was gonna hate it all, but he was giving me the album. You know what I'm saying? Oh and my so god! I took it home and I listened. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. These guys are about to kill the game. Like, it wasn't <laughs> like, oh, I think it'll do all right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you hear something yeah. be like, okay, those songs are dope. Or dope. I was like, my Lord. Yeah. And the songs that stood out to me were Batting Practice, yeah. uh, Cab Fair. But the whole album was raw. Yeah. And I was it's, like, being uh, a West Sider, being a West Sider, I was like, man... These East Coast fools are fixing to learn today, boy. Yeah, like for yeah. real. Like I was like, yo, like no one's gonna front on Souls of Mischief. That's what I kept. No one's gonna front. You can't, you know. And um, it 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 went on to do everything mm-hmm. that I hoped it would do and more. Yeah, to be it honest. was it, it was intimidatingly good, which is what hip hop mm-hmm. is all about. Um, mm-hmm. it, and I loved it. It, you know, and it was it was also such a because the Bay Area is known for a few different styles of hip hop. Um, mm-hmm. We're not just one thing here. And they were a, a huge exclamation point on that, where it's just like we had this we had this little pocket of of kids that were growing up in this one area of Oakland and they, they exemplified all of that, like 
Lyrical With, excellence, yeah, boy. Yeah, yeah. Lyrical excellence. Like production excellence too, though. Right? Like yeah. you weren't gonna sit around and act like not just that 93 to infinity the song wasn't a banger, but like what a way to go out, out like a sucker. Oh my boom, God. Boom. You know what I'm saying? Come on, blood. Get off, blood. Yeah. Those dudes amazing. were crushing mics. Yeah. Crushing and mics. it was and and what I and what I really I think something that really sort of stood out around it also was you know they there was a, a confidence in it like they you know like they had they I think they were one of the first crews that had everything so they had you know like they did know they yeah. were dope <laughs> they, yeah 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 they and and they were and they were self-contained in every way like they did their own videos they did their they did their graphics. They did their own production. They wrote their own rhymes. It was like they had everything all in. They housed it all into one crew. And yeah, I, yeah, it, it, it's amazing to to think about that now um, because that's how everyone you know, works. Let me ask you though, how much do you think of that? Is natural bay entrepreneurship slash hustlerism slash pimp game, you know, slash dope game mindset. Cause like, you know, I really do think that the bay is, and I know people know that I love the West and everybody knows that I rep the bay all day, but I really believe all of my biases aside that the entrepreneurship that has always come out of the bay, um, is the thing that makes us the most different. You know, do you do you yeah. agree like what do you think what 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 do you think is driving that entrepreneurship that we will do it? Is it because people didn't have any other choice? Like I don't have a graphic designer, I guess I'm graphic designing. Or do you think it was look, you know, it's town biz, we got to get out here and hustle, so who going to design this cover? Like what what is your not just for Seoul specifically, but for the Bay. What what do you take away from that? Like, what do you think? Yeah, it's the mentality of the area. We are hustlers. It's a hustle town, and yeah. nothing nothing gets done otherwise. It's like you don't sit around and wait for anyone to validate what you're doing. It, it <laughs> it's it's real. Never ever happened, and it's like you know, and it it takes so much to get respect in the Bay. It's mm-hmm. like you don't just get like you don't just get you can't walk in the room and get respect you have to earn it and it comes from that hustle that's what's respected here you know it's like if that's you're real. not if, if you're not if you're not on your grind and you have to have tons of hustles not one hustle you have to have tons of hustles and that's that's Oakland that is, yeah. that's the bay right like we we have always been that way and i i love it in that it brings about like it i think we're the only area that could give you too short hammer and digital underground in the exact same era none of them could come on man could, what are you talking yeah, about you feel like, me people yeah. don't even think about yeah. what the bay gave hip-hop yeah. In fact, I just gave somebody a million dollar book idea. Somebody write what the Bay gave hip hop. Because if you Amazing. just look at the the mob music and all yeah. that that brought, 
Yeah. To production. To remember, man, people don't even know. Back in the day, all the hoods used to kill each other. Like Double Rock, Hunters Point, Fillmore, HP. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? All yeah. the different sets across Oakland, 6ix9ine,ville. You know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, but there was something about the mob music that made all of these street dudes start wanting to work together to make compilations. Yeah. So all the hoods got paid. So back in the day, a San Francisco dude might have never rapped with an Oakland dude. Oakland yeah, right. dude might have never rapped with a Vallejo dude. And now they're making compilations Amazing. and they're making money together. That was huge. Not just for the music, but for the nonviolence that came out of it. Because what that changed was what comes after the albums? The shows. The shows. So now the shows, the shows can't get shot up because everybody got to get paid and we needs to chill. Yeah. So even though the music was hella crazy and hella violent and so were the streets. Right. Those shows were dope. And what that did for the young economy in hip hop, uh, what was it, In A Minute Records. You know what I'm saying? And some oh of those other, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? That oh was crazy, yeah. bro. Yeah, that was I, I love that era. I, you know, like there was, I, you know how I got hip to so many of those things because like, I mean, I won't say that I grew up sheltered, but like right. my my parents paid attention to my whereabouts. You know what I mean? Like I mm-hmm, didn't just mm-hmm. I didn't just have, you know, like uh, I was supposed to be in certain places and I was supposed to be doing certain things. And so, like, there were certain things that I just never caught on to. A lot of my exposure to early hip hop, you know, like when you talk about the first stuff came from my brother who's eight years older than me so he's like bringing home funky four plus one more like all those things so i got exposed right 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 um but then you know like as i got into the high school years and you know like you're talking about all of these independent artists who were in the bay i i had a friend who was like you know i i grew up in the hills he grew up in the flatlands um we were both at skyline high we went to um junior high school together also but we would swap tapes and mm. he started he would he would bring me all of this i mean like he put me up on everything anything bay he had and he would bring it like every wow week, he would bring something and i would swap with him or whatever so like the first the first stuff from the click like all of like anybody you can think of he had and i was like blown away by this whole other because like i was definitely a lot more like purchasing mainstream hip-hop it was like not Mm -hmm. a lot of it if you're talking about the early 90s but like at the same time you know all this there's a a entire industry that was happening in the bay on its own you know like to the point where he could bring a tape a week you know (laughs) and it was it was amazing like to experience that like he put me up on so much stuff that was going on that I might not have caught until a lot later. Um, and he'd have he'd have all this stuff. Oh my god, like eleven five and um, just I mean like Man. we can go down the we can go down the list of like and then like Master P's whole whole tour of duty in the Bay. Oh, Master P's whole tour of duty in the Bay. Everything yeah. that he put out, him, King George, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And all them dudes. Come on, man. Come yeah. on, man. What an incredible Crazy, bro. era. What an incredible era. Um, yeah, so I, you know, like, I really appreciate my experience growing up. I, I feel like I grew up alongside hip hop. 
um, being born in 75, like, I feel like I, I had the experience of just sort of like having hip hop be like my just a little bit older big brother. You know what I mean? Like that was kind of like growing up alongside with me. And um, yeah, yeah, it's like to experience that time is just, I mean, because there was like there, I think that hip hop was still in the experimental phase of like, you know, you could still hear something new, like a new, a new, uh, mm-hmm. a new technique mm-hmm. on the mic, a new way to flip a beat, a new like, and and to experience that is just amazing. Like, yeah, wasn't there wasn't a, a such thing as um, there wasn't such thing as oh that's been done because everyone was trying to be different. And was so different. Yeah. Yeah. They wanted yeah. something to stand out with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that era was amazing. Um, and I'm really, really happy. I was able to, to experience it in that way. Um, and I, I keep, like, I tell my son, you know, like it's, it's great. Like hip hop is, you know, still going, but like this generation that is coming of age now may need something, something else, something new. Um, to you know because not that hip hop has ex- exhausted its possibilities but it definitely has veered off from its its main elements and so if we're not talking about True. break dancing or b-boying if we're not talking right. about actually rapping if we're not talking about um you know like there were these principles that made up hip hop so if it's if those things aren't being done if there's no DJ is it hip hop and that's the that's, right. I think that's starting to become the question. But it's you know like I'm I'm glad that I was able to experience that time um, and have that understanding. Um, and the and Hyrule was a huge part of that. Like just sort of seeing them like a plus. I don't think I've ever heard him. I mean, from elementary school on, he's always said I'm I'm a rapper. It's not I'm going to be a rapper. Like in elementary school, mm. he's like dead serious. I'm a rapper. Like he's like he's run, you know what I mean? It's like whoa, you know, right, like it right. was profound, you know, like just a, a crazy notion. Man. Like he was like, I am a rapper, and you know, it, no one could ever argue that. You know, what I mean? it's like amazing to see. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's it, it. I think that I think that it takes um, a special area like the like you know, what, what goes on in Oakland yeah. and San Francisco to, um, no, man. to breed these people. Um, we're, we're a hustle town, man. We are. No, man. I think you, I think you are speaking. Everything is real. It's, it's funny too, right? Because like, I think it's easy to listen to people from our era who be really hyper nostalgic, yeah. right? About, those times and they'd be like, oh these fools on that old school shit yeah yeah we get it y'all was the best <laughs> ever yeah we get it. but the problem is is that when the youngsters hear that the problem for them is it's, it's their problem it's not our problem is that they didn't get to experience hip-hop the way we experience it right like they're yeah. experiencing hip-hop through phones they're experiencing hip-hop on youtube they're experiencing hip-hop yeah, yeah. and learning hip-hop which is not a problem you learn it from YouTube, you learn yeah. it from TikTok, you learn it from Twitter, tweets and stuff. Man, listen, you had to go to areas you might get shot in. Yeah. 
to hear music. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you know, you can you can you can walk in right now to any mall, well not cuz of the covid, but before the covid hit, you could go into any mall looking like Steve Urkel and come out looking like 50 Cent. Yeah. Because all of that stuff is there for you. Bruh, the hats you had to get from one spot. The pants you get from one shop. You might yeah. get the shoes at Eastmont, but the laces, you got to get them laces somewhere else in San Francisco. You, go somewhere you can't else. even get the laces yeah. in the town. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, people man. don't know about that experience and for me personally and I think a lot of people from from my generation those kinds of experiences created a crazy nostalgia. The show aspect of hip hop. You know, everybody's yeah, rapping into their phones again, but like blood like I remember going to Mr. Floppies. One of my oh, best <laughs> memories of Mr. of hip hop in the Bay was going to Mr. Floppies, which was allegedly a whorehouse in <laughs> Oakland that had so been I, renovated for events. So I was I was wondering Bro, if that was actually true or not. Like, <laughs> you know, but it had all those crazy side rooms. You know what I mean? It had those really uh, weird rooms with velvet uh, and stuff in it. You're like, dang, this is crazy. I don't know what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Right. But like, like, like hieroglyphs would go and tear it down. You know, yeah. the first time I saw Mystic, she came in with Dell. Wow. And wow. it was like, oh yeah, she's a rapper. She raps. She's supposed to be dope. And I was like, okay. And sure enough, turned out to be dope. You sure know what I'm saying? Enough. Like, yeah. like, like. I remember Daydon and Tokes. You know, DJ yes. Daydon, DJ Tokes, tearing up the set with like dance hall stuff. And then, and then, and then, Hyrule would come through. And then somebody else would come through. Uh, 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 um, Sunspot Jones would come through. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I remember, bro. Like, those were magic times. And like, because people don't. This these younger generations because just the so the, the social engagement has changed around hip hop like and this ain't taking nothing away from anything that a youngster listens to or loves but those yeah. kinds of experiences are just not how you guys came in and and that's how things were passed down before cell phones you know what I mean yeah 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 and that's and and when you talk about that and how how that happens it's like what what is the motivation for making the music now that's the that was the other thing it's like the motivation has changed the like why you're doing it so it's right. like yeah. you know it there there are there are very distinct reasons for why music is made now um when you talk about True. what what hip hop is and why it's made and and where it's going to land and so that was a huge piece, you know, just in putting together Till Infinity. What yeah. what it was what what it was like for them to have a demo in hand in high school, who who you had to know and where you had to go to actually make that. Um Come on. it's Come not on. a it you you it's not a hobby if you get that far down the line in those days right like you have to be very very serious to have a demo in that yeah. time it's like you it, the resources it takes it yeah. was a very very network, very right like, who yeah. made the beat where are we gonna record it what well, you mm -hmm. know what i'm saying like come on man come yeah on, it man. was it was so much that went into it to have a quality demo like the one they had there was there was real effort that went into that and it's not a turn on your phone 
and pull up this beat program, make it, record over it, and release it the same day. Like they, you can do that in one day now. And dude, I, it's it. I think that that is crazy. Now that is to this generation's benefit. That yeah. is true, right? So we just went through that whole thing about shows. Da da da. You right to their benefit. They can make an album tonight. Damn right. near. That you know, at least a song. You could make a song tonight if you got the right software. Right, but is it to their benefit? Which is a which is a tough thing because you know it's uh, and you know with my eleven year old son, I'm trying to drive home the concept of working towards something and mm. getting getting the payoff. So if it's just handed, the the value changes. If it's just True. handed to you, and that is the tough part when it's just handed to you. It's like you have a. It, a, a beat making machine in your palm. So it right. there's <laughs> the value. Like is 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 there a huge value there? Um it, it's it's definitely not a huge value for someone that it, it just exists. I think that there's a bigger value for someone who understood how exclusive it was in the beginning. Um and I, I, I think that that's also from the standpoint for me in my lineage with television and film. I, I had the experience of being on crews where they had to develop the film after a shooting day or, you know, like there were there, there are these processes that existed and a lot of money that was spent in order to, to see a vision through. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, with that with that example it gives me an appreciation in the DSLR age, in the digital age, mm. where none of that is a factor anymore. And so, you know, for me, there's there's no excuse if you have a film idea. There's no excuse. Yeah. It's it's not a, like a, as a teenager learning how to video edit. Like I I was the editor for Till Infinity. Like I put the entire thing together, graphics. Did all the cuts, right. transitions, everything. Put the entire film together. But I learned in a time where I had to have permission to touch certain equipment. You know, mm. it's like, and so it, you needed you, a teacher. Yeah, yeah, and it's like you know there were there were some houses. I was lucky to to uh, find a program for students where they were teaching that to students, and so right. I had the ability to touch the equipment. But there were houses where union wise, you can't touch certain things. It's like hey. you, can't, you can't touch the equipment. Like imagine hey. that. You know, it's like like it forget about learning it. You can't even put your hands on it. It's like that's, <laughs> that's yeah. so real. Yeah. That's so yeah. real. Yeah. So it's like, you know, that uh, that appreciation to actually sit down in front of the consoles and touch the buttons and learn everything. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. there's a there's a different there's a different connotation to it when you start to break it down in that way. It's like, yo, I've got all of this at my fingertips, and do you appreciate it? You know, like it's like it, this day and age is a very very interesting one because there is there are no limitations on the creatives. Um, yeah, real. The, uh, you're only in your own way. You know. Um, yeah, yeah. Hella deep, hella deep. It's pretty amazing. Deep. So now let me ask you, what is next for you as an artist 
uh, inside or outside of film? And how can people that haven't seen the film see it? And how can people get in contact with you? So um can be reached various ways. I'm on uh, Instagram. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I can be found. But for the film, let's start there. Uh, TillInfinityDoc.com. You can purchase the film um, and either digitally download it, meaning like if you hear this and you type it in, you can download it today because 2020 is so instantaneous. Um, and if you're if you're a collector, more more from the generation of someone who likes to have something in their hand that they can touch and feel, I do mm-hmm. have uh, these USBs that I designed after the original blue cassette tape. And so um, the entire film and loads of extras, so uh, production stills, we have um, some outtakes that I had so many great interviews with so many people and I could not include it all into uh, my 93 minute film. And so, right. um, yeah, there's so many extras, extra footage um, that I think is super, super valuable um, and needs to be seen. And so I've included it in a package on a uh, USB drive that um, I probably, wow, I'm I'm getting close to the, the end of uh, that run because I, I don't plan to make any more. I'd love for them to be collectors. What? Items. Um, oh, blood, I got to so, jump on, blood. I got to go get yes, it. Now, let me yes, ask you. Yes. You know what I'm about to ask you about, right? What I'm about to ask what, you about. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm about a, to I ask you about, Shamari. I not, do you I have an idea? idea? Do you have a rough idea? What do you What do you think? What does your intuition tell you that I'm about to ask you about? Because there was one <laughs> thing missing from this film that yeah. everybody consistently talked about i'm just trying to see but there are many things hieroglyphs this is a multifaceted situation and story but what do you think i'm about to mention hmm? what do you think so so the you know the 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 hiero hobo battle um yeah <laughs> that is historic <laughs> and i did a short film about it um that i you blessed uh, your, your presence with that one as well um i it, it's the battle was not included in the soul story because it is more of a casuals is casual and severe. Mm, that's interesting. At its root. Right. Yeah. At its root, um, we have casual and severe. And so I felt it was a separate story, although souls members did, um, play a huge part in that battle live on KMEL, but it is a casual Saphir story. And so I did a short film about that. um, And I'm looking to release it hopefully pretty soon, probably sooner than later um, as the condition goes on. Um, What? Blood, let me just tell you, if you know anything about the history of battles, period, in hip-hop history, that's epic. If you know anything about the Bay, though, about Saphir, shout out to Saphir. Yes. Hobo Junction, about town bills, about battles and freestyles and legacies. Definitely. That is... I don't care. Look, yo, you can't show me. I don't even think did have any East Coast MCs ever done anything like that where they battled 
on no. the air live. I don't think that's ever happened. Shout out to Sway and Tech. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's amazing. I don't think right? that's ever happened, man. It's, I'd have to do some looking, but I don't think, man. And if it did, it wasn't done with the with it didn't have the energy behind it, blood. Definitely not. Where it's like a set battle where the two MCs show up with the intent to go head to head live on the radio. I don't believe that has happened. I don't believe yeah. that's happened. Um, and it, and what what was beautiful about that story, like sitting down with Saphir and sitting down with Kaz to have them tell the stories. It was like putting putting this short film together was amazing in that they told like it's from their complete different viewpoints, but it's so consistent. Just every right. event that led up to it, like having them go through and tell what happened there. It is pretty amazing how they were able to recount the story and the respect that they have for each other as a result Um you know, and this was, and I, I was, I was lucky enough. Um, you know, Kaz gave me the call to uh, come down for the the twenty year anniversary of Fear itself, and so Fear was in attendance. This was about five years ago, and um, I had the ability to catch some footage of them on stage together. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things like people who did not live through it or did not understand, um, you know, just the significance of that battle and what it meant for the Bay. Um, yeah, I tried to capture it as, as much as possible. And, you know, uh, shouts to uh, Alex Daniel, who was a huge part in why this film happened, because he was in the room that night with his camcorder, his, his high eight camcorder, and, uh, and captured the entire battle. And so, yo, um, Alex Daniel is my boy from day one for real. Of course, I love that dude. Yeah, yeah, man. Oh, come on, bro. AD, highest degree, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he got a better jump shot than Rick Bent. Yo, I really, I love AD, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he did the poster, right? Isn't the poster like, yeah, yeah. uh, yeah. Infinity poster, uh, he did that illustration way back. And was uh, yeah. was gracious enough, you know. It's like it's one of those things because um, you know he's a highly regarded portrait artist, and in the Smithsonian, bro. Yeah, Smithsonian, yeah, which, is, which is pretty darn amazing. Um, but he was gracious enough to uh, let me break that out and, and use it for the film because it was done a crazy long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, crazy. So, now, yeah. so wait, so you say that battle, that battle doc may come out when? What are you, what are you thinking about? So Talk to me about that. I, you know, the like world I, needs to know. Yeah, I, w- I would love to have a firm date for you. I, I do have to talk to uh, a couple of folks to uh, okay. make sure that we release it correctly. But right. um, I definitely want to uh, get it out sooner than later. It's one of those. It's like it, it it goes hand in hand. Like to have the soul story out there. Come on, man. Um, Come on, man. You know. And you know is, what? You yeah. know. You know what I love, honestly, about the fact that it wasn't in the documentary. As much as I give you drama for not having it in there, <laughs> you know. You know why? You know why? I'll tell you why. Because what it tells you is the infinite vast space of hip hop. Yeah. If that Souls documentary was 2 hours longer, 
there still would be things left out. You understand? Yeah. It, yeah. it doesn't matter, bro. Like that's how beautiful and spacious and that's how much room there is, yes. right? In yes. hip hop for so many stories to be told, yeah. right? So before we close, what advice do you have for young people in hip hop now who maybe they want to do film, maybe they want to do uh, a documentary on artists in their area? Like what advice do you have for them? Uh, you know, it's it. This is a very, very important component. Um, see your visions through, and no one is going to understand what your vision is until you carry it far enough to where they can understand what the vision is. So, don't be discouraged discouraged by someone who does not understand what your vision is, um, and see it through honestly earnestly see it through um without any other motivation besides understanding that it's your vision Um, right you know you don't never never do anything with the 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 notion to prove anything it's 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 gotta be it's gotta be uh wholehearted because proving something to someone doesn't you know, this was a two-year process for me. Having to prove something to someone, it would have worn off so much sooner. Right. Um, and so, you know, just understanding where the where the motivation lies in taking on the project you're taking on. So, you know, like for me, money was not a motivation. Um, I had nothing to prove to anyone. You know, like it has to come from the right place in order to see it through in the right way. And... You know, hopefully, you know, you have the the time, the headspace and the resources um, to pull it together. And patience is so important because there are so many times where you take on a huge project. (laughs) There there will be so many times where there's just a boulder in front of seeing it through. And I had... Mm -hmm many boulders for <laughs> this project seeing till infinity through. yeah um and it was it you know it enjoy the process because yeah i wasn't steadfast on finishing the film i was literally taking in the process so you know the it all of it was very important so the the day we sat down and I interviewed you for Till Infinity, that was a huge piece of the process that I really thoroughly enjoyed. Um and and so forth that and was so fun. on. It was, right? Was and fun. it's like and it what we what we did was we we created a a moment just just right then and there, you know, like it luckily we have the footage to uh share in the film. But it was yeah. a, it was a great moment in itself, and so that was that was the key piece. Just really enjoying the process, you know, having the the ability to, you know, sit and talk with RZA, having the ability to sit and talk yeah. with, you know, like we that countless countless people I have admired and looked up to um, for years. I had the ability yeah. to sit down, have a conversation with them. And, um, you know, share a moment. And so yeah. 
the process was the payoff. And Ooh. that is a, a, a key, key component to it all. Um, Take that home, kids. The process is the payoff. Hard, man. That's beautiful. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's it's so true. You know, it's like once the once the film has been cut and brought to the people, it's over. Right? Like yeah. that's real. It's like and and so, you know, like if you were if you were waiting for it to be done, you have missed out. And so that's the that's the 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 biggest uh thing I think that uh I took in while I was doing the project, I just really enjoyed the process. Like I didn't want the process to end. It's like, I'm really enjoying making this film, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Nah, man, that is beautiful. Man, Shamari, thank you so much for being on Bishop Chronicles. I appreciate you. Thank you for not, not, not just, you know, what you, what you, did for hip hop, but what you did to hip hop, because you've inspired a lot of people. You've told a story that needed to be told. You gave shine to people who uh, needed a little extra shine and you, you helped the Bay area and the West coast claim its natural stake in this, in this art, man, you know? And so I'm, I'm forever grateful to you for that. You know what I'm saying? Like for real. Oh thank man, you. thank you so much. Coming from you, that is huge. Um, I don't know if you've ever at any point in time on your own show talked about your lineage and impact um, with this culture, but um, coming almost from never. It's <laughs> a, a very, very big thing um, to hear that from you. So thank you. Thank you very much. Teacher, what style is that? Right, 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 right